morning, everybody. Good to, good to be with you here again. I love Sundays. My favorite day of the week. It's just amazing. For those of you who are new here, I'm Chris Dirks. I'm the main teaching pastor here at Southland. And we're uh, just going through Joseph. It's taken me a long time, but you know what? There's just so much stuff in there. I had uh, someone talk to me this morning, and it just triggered something inside of me. Uh, they made a comment. They said, it's amazing how you can just uh, uh, stop on a verse. Like you can just read a verse, and, and there's just so much there. You can go a whole message. And, uh, and they weren't talking about me being such a great preacher. It's just amazing how deep the Word of God is. And, and, you know, I wanted to encourage you with something, and that is that the Word of God is a reflection of God's character. And God, there is such infinite depth to God. When we go to heaven, I used to be afraid of eternity. Like, it used to make my head hurt. Sometimes I would try as a kid to think about being with God forever and ever and ever without end. And one of my biggest fears was, isn't it going to get boring after a while? Like, how could you be with anybody forever and not have it get boring at some point? The amazing thing about God, though, is he is infinite in depth. And so we will spend all of eternity learning more and more and more and more about God. We'll never stop. There will never come a time. We'll have been in heaven 10.5 billion years and then 100 billion years and then a trillion years. We'll have been there that long and we will still, he will still have the ability to surprise us. He'll still have the ability to shock us. He'll still have the ability to go, wow, I've been here a trillion years and I've never seen that. And it'll happen. It'll just keep happening throughout all of eternity because God is infinite in depth. So we're going to find out his personality is infinite. His beauty is infinite. His love is infinite. There's many things we're just going to keep discovering, 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 discovering for all of eternity. Now, you say, what does that have anything to do with the Joseph series? The thing is, his word is a reflection of his character. And I want to encourage you with something. And part of what I'm hoping is going to happen out of this series is I want you guys to fall in love with the Bible. Because messages, you know, just you know, Chris gets up and just talks to you, I have no power to change your life. And some of you, you know, you might come to our church for a little while, and you might be real excited because it's new to you, and it's exciting. Wow, I just love, you know, Pastor Ray speaks, Pastor Chris, whatever. I just love it, and it's so fun. And, and you're kind of living off, you know, a little bit of just, it's just so great here. And it is great. I mean, that song we just sang, was that not powerful? I mean, you can just feel the spirit moving. It's just powerful. I love coming to church here. But you can kind of live off the human element sometimes at the beginning, but you know what? It'll always always run out. Because who you need is not a person. You don't need me. Trust me. Talk to my wife, okay? Okay? Talk to my kids. I'm real normal, okay? You won't find eternal life in me. You just won't, okay? Um, but you will find it in God. And what I'm hoping is going to happen, so I'm going through this Joseph series. What I'm hoping is going to happen is for a lot of you, you're going to fall in love with the Word of God. And one of the things I want you to fall in love with is you will notice that I, it's taken me forever to get through Joseph. You want to know why it's taken me forever to get through Joseph? And there's so many messages I'm leaving unpreached. The reason it's taking me so long is because it's infinite how far you can mine. You can just take a verse, and I hope some of you are going to learn from this, is many people in their devotions, they just read and read and read and read, oh, I got nothing. And what you need to do in your devotions is you need to lovingly chew. You need to lovingly chew on the Word of God, and you need to go deep, and you need to stop, and you need to journal, and you need to write things down. And as you do that, more comes up, more comes up, more comes up, more comes up. And you'll find, if you'll just stop and chew by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can stop in a verse, you can stop in a small passage, and if you just give it a bit of time by the power of the Holy Spirit, you start journaling, you start listening, and you start doing that stuff, you will find that you can go deeper and deeper and deeper in God's Word. Just like God's character, there's just no, there's so much new stuff in here, but you just can't glaze across the top. Okay, and so that we're in the Joseph story, and, you know, we've done chapter 37, 
Uh, we've done chapter 39. Two messages, kind of, I got a little bit out of, out of order last week because we had to go back and finish some stuff from chapter 39. But two messages ago, I had got into chapter 40 a little bit and the baker and the cupbearer, and it's a famous story, right? And they're sharing their dreams with Joseph. And we're going to pick up there again today, and we're going to finish all of chapter 40, okay? And I'll, today's message is about hearing God, okay? Today's message is about hearing God because you're going to see some amazing stuff in here today about Joseph's heart and how he was able to hear God that is for all of us. And I think, it is, I think it's such an encouraging truth and it just inspires me. And so let's get into it starting in verse 5. Chapter 40, verse 5. We're back with the cupbearer and the baker. They're about to share their dreams with Joseph in prison. And here we go. And one night they both dreamed. And by the way, someone asked me in between services, what did the cupbearer and the baker do to get thrown in prison? I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, okay? I just thank God I wasn't born back in those days when people didn't really have rights, okay? For all I know, they looked at Pharaoh wrong, they wore the wrong skirt, I don't know, okay? But they're in prison now, right? Pharaoh can just throw people in prison, all right? We don't know, but they're in prison, it's not a good place to be, and they're with Joseph, and now they both have dreams, right? And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation, when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, We have had dreams. By the way, are, there's a little uh, clicking. It's the choir monitor, uh, Arlen or whatever, if you could call Adam, and uh, they'll take care of that. Um, but why are your faces downcast today? Verse 8, they said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. And we're just going to stop there because there's a couple things I just, I just love about this line. I just love, at this point, you know, Joseph's in prison now. Uh, it's been about a decade of suffering for Joseph. Now, we're not sure exactly, but somewhere around a decade. Okay? So he's, he's been betrayed by his brothers. He's been in slavery for a bunch of years. Now he's been unjustly accused. He's in prison. This guy's been through about 10 years now of suffering. And I actually love what has happened to his character through suffering. Because if you remember back to the beginning of this series, and back in chapter 37 when we started this series, the whole Joseph story goes along with, uh, it, 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 it follows along with dreams, right? It starts with dreams. We've got dreams in the middle. Towards the end, we've got the big climax where, where you know, where Joseph tells Pharaoh's dream. And it, it's all tracking along with dreams. But the amazing thing is, if you think back to chapter 37, at the beginning of this whole story, this story starts with Joseph getting a dream. But what's amazing is, at the beginning, what I love is Joseph's heart here. Do not interpretation belong to God. Please tell him to me. Here, after 10 years of suffering, his whole life is focused on God and others. Do, do not interpretation belong to God. Right away, he's just pointing the cupbearer and the baker back to God. Please tell them to me, though I care about you. It's all about God. It's all about others, as we've talked about in this series. But if you think back to the beginning of the Joseph story, when he gets the dreams from God, it's all about him. When he first gets the dreams from God, it's all about how everybody's going to bow down to him. And what he doesn't realize at the beginning of the story is that God doesn't raise people up for themselves. He doesn't just say, I'm going to make so-and-so a king because I just want them to be a king. God doesn't do that. God gave Joseph a dream that he was going to raise him up, but God's whole intention all the way along was not to raise Joseph up just to be someone big and special. He raised Joseph up because he wanted to save so many people. But at the beginning of this story, Joseph doesn't get that. God says, I'm going to raise you up. He totally misses the part about this is going to be for other people. And he's just telling everybody his dream how everybody's going to bow down to him. 
And so God says, whoa, Joseph, you're 17 years old, a little cocky. I got to put you through some stuff. And so he puts him through, you know, at this point now, about a decade of suffering. He's still got a couple more years to go. But I love, as we look here at this story, how 10 years of suffering have absolutely transformed Joseph's heart. And it's just beautiful. And now it's about God, it's about others. But there's a second thing I really love here, and that's where we're going to spend the rest of the time in this message. I really love in this story how confident Joseph is in hearing God's voice. I just love how confidently and how clearly he hears God's voice. And I'm going to show you. We're going to read through this dream. We're going to read through the baker's dream. And we're also going to jump ahead to 41, and we're going to look at Pharaoh's dream. I'm going to show you three dreams that Joseph interprets in this message here today. And in all three of them, you're going to notice something. Joseph is very confident in hearing God's voice. He's extremely confident, and he's extremely clear in understanding what God is saying. And as I was praying about this and reading, getting ready this week, it was making me a, a little jealous. And I said to God, I said, I want to hear you like that. I mean, there's nothing weird about Joseph hearing God in, in, this, in this story. I want you to notice that there's no formula, okay? There's no formula for Joseph hearing God's voice in this story. There's no formula when he hears the baker, when he hears God's voice in the baker story, and there's no formula when he hears God in the Pharaoh's story. Throughout this whole thing, it's not like Joseph says, okay, you have a dream, I've got to go, you know, sacrifice a pigeon, you know, do a little dance, cut myself, do a couple, write these, say certain things, a spell, an incantation, and then I'm going to hear God. He doesn't do any of that. It's just when God speaks and somebody needs to hear from God, he just hears. It just happens. It's just so natural. And I love that about this story. And the question is today, I wonder how many of us would love to have that kind of a relationship with God where when he's speaking, you know what he's saying. When he's speaking, you know what he's saying. And, and so basically the big idea of this whole message, as I'm going to show you, is that hearing God is more about your heart than it is about technique. Hearing God is more about your heart than it is about a technique. See, the false religions and the cults and the witchcraft and all the magic stuff throughout history and even today, it's all about formula. That's what they're all about. Like, you, like cults and magic and witchcraft. You know, you want, you want to manipulate the spirits into talking to you, into telling you the future, into helping you do something. And the way you manipulate the spirits to do what you want and the way you manipulate the spirits to speak to you is you have spells, you have formulas you do and say in order to get them to talk. And it, but that is not at all how the God of the Bible functions, how the God who created this whole universe functions, and it's not how we see Joseph behaving. See, the God who created everything that is, he doesn't want to relate to us based on formulas or techniques. He wants to relate to us based on relationship. And so when Joseph hears God, it's not about a formula. It just comes naturally out of Joseph having a right heart with God, and then he can hear him. Hearing God is more about your heart than it is about technique. And I want to illustrate this, and we're going to, I'm going to show you this, because I just want to stop there, and I want you to feel it. And we're going to look at the other stories where Joseph hears God too. But you just have to see in this story how natural it is. 
It's just so natural. It's just so clear. He's just so confident. There's no big deal about it almost. It's just like he's in such a good place with God. Someone, God says something and he just says, tell me what God said and I'll tell you what, it, what, he, was, what he was meaning. And he just, he's got that, that walk with the Lord and that's because hearing God is about your heart. It's not about technique. And I think the best analogy I can just use to explain it is, is marriage. My wife, LaDawn, and I, we have, we've been married 12 years and we have an amazing marriage. That's just the fact of it. Uh, we just absolutely love each other. We get along. We love to do stuff together. And, and of course, some people might be sitting there thinking, well, well, lucky you. It worked out for you, right? I mean, you lucked out, Chris. You know, you, you got a good marriage. You don't know who I'm married to, right? You don't, you don't know. And, and your spouse is looking at you and thinking the same thing, right? Um, but the thing you have to realize is LaDawn and I don't have a good marriage after 12 years because we just lucked out. That's not why we have a good marriage. We're not lucky. That's not why we have a good marriage. We have a good marriage today and we really like each other and really love each other because we work really hard at making each other feel loved. I mean, there isn't a week that goes by, in fact, most days, that we both make conscious attempts to do something for the other person that makes them feel loved. Like, for example, a couple weeks ago, I open up my lunch here at church, and I, and I pull out, and she slipped in a chocolate bar into my lunch, and on there is written a little love note. I had to hide it from the guys, but it was, <laughs> you know, so she slipped the chocolate bar in there and said, I love you. I'm so proud of the work you do, and oh, well, I mean, that just, that just melts you, okay? You can't get mad at a woman like that. I mean, you're just in love. Oh, I, Wow. And I just, I'm in love with her. And she's constantly, she does all kinds of things like that for me all the time. I can pretty much tell you stuff every week, little notes left here or things she said there, respected. She's constantly doing it. And on the other hand, I turn around, I try to do the same back to her. And so, so we have a good relationship because our hearts are centered that I constantly, I mean, I have reminders on my calendar that come up. Hey, remember to, to, to think about something to, to try and love the dawn this week. And, and then I'll stop for a few minutes. And I'll think about something. I'll pray about something. And because we're constantly working to really love each other. And as a result of that, guess what? Communication is not a problem. Communication. When your heart towards your spouse is you're constantly trying to love them all the time and you're constantly trying to make them feel good and you're constantly trying to build them up. When you're both trying to do that all the time, guess what? Hearing her isn't a problem for me. Well, I mean, I mean when, I, when I come home in the evening, it's not like, okay, I got to do this, this, and this, and then maybe she'll talk to me. No, it's more like, how do I get her to stop, right? Okay? I mean, did I say that? <laughs> but hearing her is no problem. No problem to hear LaDawn in the evening for me. She loves to talk to me. I love to listen to her. I love to talk to her. Listening and hearing LaDawn is no problem for me. I don't have to read books about technique, even though that, I mean, that can be a good thing too. And I know there are books and stuff about how to listen and communicate, and those are all great. But I don't need to do a lot of work on that when my heart is right. Isn't that true? When the heart's right, the hearing and the communication are very natural and very, uh, you know, regular, and there's a lot of it. Okay? But now, if, if, if I go back 12 years, if I go back to the beginning of our marriage, and we never had a, had a bad marriage, but certainly it wasn't as great at the beginning as it is now. And I mean, that's how any marriage should be. I mean, you should always be better off now than you were at the beginning, because at the beginning, you were just beginning. Okay? So it should be growing. All right? So there, some of you guys actually need to write that down, because I just gave you, that was worth coming to church for right there. All right? But <laughs> if I go back 12 years, our marriage then wasn't what it is now. 
And, and I mean, I can't even remember the last fight we had. I mean, you don't fight with someone who slips chocolate bars and I love you notes into, into your lunch. It's impossible. But, but I can't remember the last fight we've had. But in the beginning, we would have the odd fight. And usually, you know, because I'd been selfish or stupid or, or just, just done something dumb and just was thinking about myself, right? Now, here's the thing I learned very quickly at the beginning of our marriage was, is if my heart was about myself and I wasn't investing in the relationship and I was being selfish, if a, if a fight gets started or, or something starts happening in that relationship, I found out very quickly with her is, is her way of dealing with that was go in another room and clam up. If, so if my heart, and then I couldn't get her to talk. Once that happened, it's like there's no talking until tomorrow. It's right, okay? Now, some of you guys have had that. Some of you are in the middle of that right now, okay? That's why you've got two kids sitting in between you right now, all right? Um, <laughs> not to pick on those of you who've got kids sitting in between you right now. But anyway, some things I should not say, and uh, <laughs> I say them anyway. But my point is, it's, it's not about technique. When my heart is wrong, when my heart is wrong towards her, I can't, there's not communication. It doesn't matter what technique I use. On the other hand, when my heart is right to her and I'm serving her and I'm loving her and I'm putting her first, communication is very easy. Why? Because hearing my wife is more about my heart, a lot more, 99% about my heart and maybe 1% about technique. And the same the same is true of God. Now, I don't want to reduce God. God is awesome, and he's holy, and all that sort of stuff. I don't want to reduce him, you know, when we compare him to human beings, that always falls far short at a certain point, okay? But there's that relational component with God in that, in, that is a lot the same as marriage. And if your heart's wrong, you're not going to be able to hear him. But if your heart is right with him, the communication is regular. God will speak to you in so many ways, Okay? God will just speak to you in so many ways when your heart is right with him. When your heart is right with God and you're loving him and you're serving him and you're putting him first and you care about his glory, when your heart is right with him, you won't even believe all the ways. Like you won't have to just, like some people, the only way they can hear God is every once in a while. It's just like, mm, please speak to me, God. And they're just straining and you're afraid they're going to pop something. And, and they're just, oh God, you got to speak to me. And they're listening, come on. And when your heart is right with God, you open up the Bible, thoughts are there. You're on the drive to work, there's a thought there. You're in worship, you're at church, and the Spirit is moving. When your heart is connected with God, it's listening to God is so much more than just listening prayer. It becomes a life of His voice speaking into your heart and into your life. Because hearing God is about a heart, not a technique. I'm going to jump away from Joseph for just a second. We're going to come back because you see this throughout the Joseph thing. I'm going to show you three different times when Joseph does this. But you just see this in the Joseph life. His heart is so connected and so concerned with the things of God that when God is speaking, it's just so natural. It just comes out of him. God is communicating with him. And we see this Psalm 25, 14. I love this verse. I love it. Psalm 25, 14 says this. The friendship, which could also be translated... The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. What a, what a great verse. I love the way the NLV puts it. The Lord confides. Isn't that a great word, confides? The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. I love that word, confides. You know what it means? I, I looked it up this week, because some of you maybe you don't totally know what confides means. It, 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 ha it means to impart secrets trustfully, to discuss private matters or problems. Kind of like, you know, example, she confides in no one but her husband. Can you believe that that word is used of God towards us? Like, yes, it's so true. We, we, you know, on the one hand, we have to keep in, in mind always the, the fear of the Lord 
He is awesome, and he is holy, and he is powerful. And yet, on the other side, that God just, he embodies these incredible contrasts. On the other hand, yes, he's all of that, and he's Mount Sinai, and glory, and fire, and judgment. And on the other side, he just wants badly to confide in those who fear him. He actually, this is, this is God's heart, Psalm 25. He actually, he's not distant from us. He really wants nothing more than to have someone who's so close to him that he can tell his secrets to. He can tell things that he's excited about, personal, very deeply personal things. God wants to confide in people. He wants to tell us his secrets. He wants to talk to human beings. It's an incredible truth, incredible truth about the heart of God. He wants to talk to you. He really wants to confide in you and tell you things that are on his heart, secret things, important things to him. But the key is, it happens to those who fear him. Now, what, what, what is that? That's a biblical phrase, essentially can be summed up in someone whose heart is right with God, someone who loves him and wants to obey him. Anybody who loves him and wants to obey him, you don't have to be super spiritual. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be Abraham or Moses. Any one of the seven billion people on earth right now, you wanna, if you love Jesus and you want to obey him, he wants to confide and speak to you intimate details from his heart and have that relationship with you. So the question is not, does God want to speak to you? That is not the question. And it goes on by there. He, by the way, he doesn't just say he confides. He also makes his covenant known to them. That's more talking. He wants to speak to us. He wants to make things known to us. He wants to confide in us. The question is not, does God want to speak to us? That is not the question in Scripture. The question is, is your heart right to hear him? Is your heart right to hear him? Because the question also isn't, what's the formula? What's the technique that I can hear him because the Bible doesn't give us a technique. The people in here who love God just heard him. There's not a technique. Sometimes they fasted and prayed and then he spoke. Sometimes they waited. Sometimes it just happened. Sometimes it was through this or that. There's no formula of how this, 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 then you hear God. Nope. It's your heart. It's purely your heart. And if your heart's right, he has already said yes to talking to you. He would love to confide in you. So the question is, is your heart right with God? Do you have the kind of heart that can hear God since he does want to speak to us? And there's so many things we could say about a right heart here today. Tons and tons and tons. I just want to talk about three. I want to break it down to three basic components of a right heart. And, and the second one we're not going to spend much time on because the first and the third one and especially the third one, really tie into Joseph. And since we're in the Joseph series, I, I want to focus on those. But I, I wanted to put three up there because I think this is so huge. If you work on your heart, if you get your heart right with the Lord, the, the speaking, I'm telling you, you'll be listening to music, you'll be reading the Bible, you'll be just going through life, and the, the voice of God will be there in your life. And so the three components of a right heart, and of course there are many others we could talk about, but number one is love for God. What does a right heart look like? What does a hearing heart look like? And the first thing is love for God. The more you love God, the more you will hear him. End of sentence. Okay? Now, of course, I do want to just leave room for here. Many people who follow Jesus and love Jesus go through periods of trials and testing in their life, and many people have gone through a time 
where they felt, like, where God sort of seemed to withdraw from their life a bit and he seemed to kind of go quiet for a bit because he was testing them in their faithfulness. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. That does happen. But as a general rule, as a general rule, the more you love God, the more his voice will be all over your life, the more you will hear. And see, what's happening is too often Christians, we divorce the, these two things as if they're separate topics. We have kind of our listening to God topic, and we have our loving God topic. So when we're talking about listening to God, we're trying to figure out how do we hear God, how do we hear God, how do we hear God, and it's an awesome topic. It's one of our core values. Love it. I mean, that's why I'm speaking about it today. And Pastor Ray, I mean, it's one of the most important things in the Christian life. If you can't hear God, you can't have a relationship. But we often tend to divorce the two subjects. So we're talking about listening prayer. We're not talking about, we're not thinking about, it's not in our head to think about loving God. And so, but you try to work on listening. I want to hear, I want to hear, I want to hear. God, what do you want to say to me about this? What do you want to say to me about that? Or we're just cruising through life, just kind of living our own life. Boom, something comes up. Oh, I need advice from God. What am I going to do now? Oh, shoot. You know, my 15-year-old is going way off the crazy map and, and I don't know what to do about them. Now I need to hear from God quickly. Or what do I do about this job? Or do I invest in this expensive piece of equipment at work? Or whatever it is. And suddenly, you know, we're just living our own life and boom, now I need advice from God. And so again, we just shut our eyes and the veins pop out on our foreheads and like, give me a word, God. I need to hear from you today. And then we're frustrated when we don't hear. We're frustrated when we don't hear. And the reason we're frustrated when we, when we don't hear is because I, I need to tell you something about God. God is is not your waitress. He doesn't just sit in the background of your life somewhere, wait for you to suddenly need him, boom, he comes out, you snap your fingers, he tells you what you need to know, he gives, he fills out your order, and then disappear into the background of your life again when you don't need him anymore. God will not just be your waitress. And so what we need to realize is that God doesn't just want to be there to give us advice when we suddenly need it. He wants to have a relationship, just like me and my wife. When the relationship is good, the communication is steady and regular and easy. But if I think I'm just going to ignore her for a month and then, oh, shoot, I need to figure out how to make macaroni and cheese for the kids because she's gone. Would you please tell me how to make some macaroni and cheese? Are you kidding me? Communication, much more difficult. God wants to be much more for you than just than just your waitress, okay? Now, of course, saying that, I want to just stop you for just a moment because, and I'm going to do this a few times in this message. I'm going to stop and give these little caveats, okay? Um, because what I don't want people to, to, to think is that, you know, well, now I can't listen to God unless I'm totally wholehearted about it. Like, now you have people saying, well, uh, and, and they're freaking out. They're getting all, you know, neurotic about it. Well, I don't love God as much as Pastor Ray or, or Grace Fast. I don't, I don't love him as much as them. So I, I, I don't have a right to listen to God yet. No, no, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you have to be totally 100% in love with Jesus before you can hear his voice. No, no. Thank goodness God in his grace speaks to us long before we're wholehearted. Otherwise, he would never speak to any of us. Okay, and, and we see in the Bible, God spoke to wicked people. He spoke to Balaam through a donkey. He spoke to Belshazzar through a disembodied hand. He speaks to wicked people. He speaks to wholehearted people. He speaks to people in, the, in between. But here's what I want you to, to understand from the Bible. The more you love God, the more you will hear him. It's just a fact. It's just a relational fact. 
And so, yes, and so I don't want you to, to, to be all kind of freaking out. Can I listen to God? Do I love God enough to, to listen? You just listen. When you need to hear something from God, you need to listen. But what you need to know as you're listening is the more you love Jesus, the easier it is to hear him. Because it's about relationship. The less you love God, I want to just read this to you. The less you love God, the less you'll hear from him, and the less sure you'll be when you do hear from him, and the less clear his voice will be in your heart. But on the flip side, it's just a fact. The more you love God, the more you'll hear from him, and the more clear it will be when he does speak to you, and the more sure you'll be able to be about what his will is for your life. Because it's, the two things are together. So if you're one of those people here today and you just have a hearing God block and you just complain, I can't hear God, I can't hear God, I can't hear God, maybe you need to just stop thinking about hearing and you need to focus more on loving. Just start loving God. The hearing comes out of that. I mean, can you imagine if, if me and my wife were having all kinds of problems and instead of just working on loving her more, I'm trying to work on just listening to her more. Well, that might help me love her more. But if I just focus on making her feel loved, the communication will come. You know, this last week, um, I was working on a message. I've been working a bunch of hours and been up early and all sorts of stuff. At, some point, at one point, I just was like, you know what, I, need, I just need a break. I just need to go to the prayer room and I just need a little break with Jesus. I need to stop thinking about this message. And so I just went to the prayer room and uh, I just took a few minutes and I just said, Jesus, I just want to love you. I just want to take a few minutes and I don't want to think about myself. I, I just want to love you. And so I just took my journal, went to the prayer room, sat down, and I just started writing out all the things I was thankful for. Thank you, Jesus, for this. Thank you. Oh, you're so good in my life. And I just, I'm not thinking about myself. I told him, Jesus, I don't want to think about myself. I'm just, I'm just here to love you. So I was going for about five minutes, and, and all of a sudden this thought comes into my mind, okay? Now, again, notice, thought comes into my mind. God's speaking. Why is he speaking? Because it's a love thing. Focus on love. Hearing comes. You can't even help it. You don't even want to hear. You're just trying to love him, and he's speaking. So this thought comes into my mind about love language. And, just, and, and you know how sometimes when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he says like what would take, you know, five minutes to explain and you just get it in a moment, right? Like it's just like that nugget is just in your heart. And this nugget is just sort of all set in my heart and I'm thinking about how, you know, in my marriage, any of you who's been married for any amount of time, there's all these books out there today about marriage, about speaking your spouse's love language, right? And, and basically what love language is all about, those of you who've been married, you, you probably read this book or heard about it, but basically, if you want to have a good marriage, you've got to figure out your spouse's love language, how it is that they feel and receive love. Then you have to behave in ways that speak that way. Okay, because if your spouse speaks, you know, love language French, and you're trying to speak it to her in English, she's not going to get it, okay? Just that's the basic gist, all right? And so you have to learn the behaviors that make your spouse feel loved, not that will just make you feel loved. And so anyway, I get this download in prayer, and then the, with the twist of this, have you ever thought about trying to, to behave in such a way to love God? What are God's love languages? And again, not to reduce God to like a, a human, but that was just a thought in prayer, a relational thought. And so I said, oh, oh okay, sure, I'm in here to love you. God, I, I, I want to I speak your love language, God. I want to I live my life in a way that makes you feel my love. I want to show you my love through my behavior. The moment I asked that question, I felt like a door kind of opened in my soul, and I knew there was something on the other side. I said, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to wait because there's, there's something coming here now. I know there's something there. And I just waited a couple minutes and suddenly conviction came to that door. 
and the Lord totally opened up my eyes to a certain way of behaving and talking to people and thinking about people that I hadn't even noticed. Like, and I'm, but now thinking about it, I'm like, how could I have been so blind? But it was just a way that really bothers the Father. It's not how he treats people. It's not how he thinks about people. And the moment he revealed it to me, suddenly, notice what I'm talking about here. When you try to love God, the listening comes. Suddenly, I'm having a conversation in my journal. I can't hardly keep up with it. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry for that. I can't believe I did that. What a terrible way. I know that is, that is such a, a bad way to think of people. It's not the way you think of them, and it pushes you away, and it quenches your spirit. And I'm writing this journal, and, and I'm just talking to him. He's talking back to me. Verses are flooding into my head from all over the Bible. I'm going, how did I miss this? Why is God speaking to me? Why is it so clear? Because I'm trying to love him. It's a relationship. And some of you, you have a huge block. I can never hear God. I don't know what his will is in my life. Focus on the love and the blockage will disappear. Because as you love him more, the voice comes into your life. And so for a lot of us, a lot of us, when you have a block, what you need to do is just change your questions. And uh, I'm going to make this easy for you. I'm going to have this on the weekly challenge at the end of the message. And and I'm encouraging cells to do it, and I'll have it online and all that sort of stuff too. But a couple years ago, someone in our church showed me this list of relationship questions that you can ask God. And I just took them all. I started doing them in my journal. They were really wonderful. Just a unique way of looking at God in a more relational way. And I, and I started using my journal, and, and God just began to speak to me. And I I've, I've took a bunch of those, not all of them, but I took a bunch of them. I put them on sheets, and I got a few hundred at the, the info center. You can pick one up after, and, and they'll be online, and, and we'll get them in the Weekly Shepherd for the cells at some point as well too. But I would encourage you this week to, some of you, you just have a block and you what you need to do because you're constantly asking God the wrong thing. You're only asking him for advice. You're never talking to him about relationship. And you're only ever talking to God, you know, uh, God, what do I do about this job? What do I do about this investment? What do I do about this? What do I do about that? What do I do about my kid? All this sort of stuff. And it's all stuff you need to hear about. But if you want to remove the block, you just need to go to God and you need to change that question. You need to start talking to him from the love angle and everything else comes with it. The more you love God, the more you will hear him. And we saw last week, at the, near the end of the message, there how powerful Joseph's love was for God. Okay, I want to go to the next two points. The second one, I'm, I'm just skimming over. A uh, second component of a, of a right heart that hears God is a submitted heart. That is that, it's, that you actually want to do whatever God wants, wants to tell you. And again, I don't want to spend a lot of time here. We're going to go to the last point because it just ties back directly into the Joseph story uh, um, better. But, but essentially what it is is this. A lot of times when people have a block hearing God, a big part of the reason is because they're asking God about something and they're not actually willing to do whatever God wants them to do. They actually have like a few things in their mind, I won't do that. They might not consciously think it, but there's actually like, if God would tell me to do this, this, or this, or this, it would be a no. And if you are going into your seeking God and you've actually, you know, taken out a bunch of things that he might want to say to you, your heart's going to be so conflicted inside, it's not submitted, you're not going to be able to hear properly. And there's a clarity. There's a clarity. I've prayed with people who were really willing, and they just came to a point of prayer time. It's like, okay, God, I submit to you this whole thing that I was so afraid of. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And the moment they get to that place of submission, there's a clarity that comes to your heart. There's a peace. There's a quietness. And suddenly the voice of God can become so real and so clear, and you can begin to hear him with confidence. So it's a love thing. It's a relationship thing. It's a submission thing. But there's a third thing. This is where we'll spend the last... Um, part of this message here because it ties directly back into the Joseph story here. And that is that you actually desire. What it, with a third component of a heart that hears God, a heart that is right with God, is that your heart actually desires to point people to God and not yourself. Like, like actually, like not, 
every Christian says it's all about God. We all say that, but the fact of the matter is, very few of us actually live it. But actually, in your heart of hearts, you actually want God to get all the attention and all the glory and all the credit, and you just want to, through everything you do, point people to Him, not to yourself. When your heart becomes like that, you will hear God. And, uh, you know, Joseph, if we go back to 40 verse 8 there, they said to him, we have had dreams and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph could have come along and said, well, I'm pretty good at interpreting dreams. God gave me this gift. Tell me and let me see if I can handle it. Notice how in his response, he does not at all turn the attention back to himself. His first response is, do not interpretations all belong to God. He's not trying to pump himself up. He's not trying to puff himself up. He's not even trying to get them to need him. He's pointing them directly to God. Only God has what you need. And you know, this is so dear. Again, we Christians, we will say, it's such a cliche, it's all about God. But in reality, we so often use the gifts God's given us to point people to ourselves. I mean, you could be a prophetic person here today, and, and you just, you know, and that's your gifting. You get words for people. That, and God gave it to you, but he didn't give it to you for you. He didn't give it to you so that people would say, wow, when, when, you know, that person prays for me, I get words from God, I got to always pray with him. And you actually get people to be dependent on you so that they think they can only hear from God when they're with you. And it kind of feels good. And people say, you know, that person, when he prays for you, the details that he gets from God are amazing. And it's about you. And it's not actually about God. And we do this any gift. We do this. We human beings are so creative and good at this, at using God's gifts that are supposed to point people to him and give him glory for ourselves. Music, preaching, serving, building, leading. Oh, what a great leader that guy is. He's just an amazing leader. And the gift, we use the gift to get attention on ourselves. And the thing is, when the gift is, when you're using the gift to point to yourself, you've got these selfish desires at work in you, you've got woundedness, you're trying, to, you're trying to feel important, you're trying to feel needed, and when all that stuff is tugging at you on the inside, God's voice can't break through clearly. But not Joseph. And now I want to jump ahead, now I want to show you the Pharaoh story too. We're going to jump to chapter 41, because I want to show you that this isn't just one line that I kind of pulled out and it's the one place. No, no, this is actually the pattern in Joseph's life is is you go to him for something, and he's just, it's all God. So I'm gonna, we're going to jump ahead. One, one chapter here, Pharaoh. Famous story, right? Pharaoh, seven fat cows, seven skinny cows, seven you know, heads of grain, seven skinny heads of grain. And I want, I want you to see what happens here. And I want you to see Joseph's heart. Joseph's heart is all about, look at God. Look at God, not at me. Okay? Verse 14 here, 41, 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now, isn't this just so human? It's not just human to take the credit. It's also human to give the credit and forget about God. Isn't that true? And so Pharaoh is giving Joseph all the credit. I mean, he's just, he's making it easy for Joseph to take it in. He's just, it's you. I've heard that you can do this. I heard that you can hear from God. I hear that you give good dream interpretations. You, 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 you. And let's, let's face something right now. If you're Joseph, this must have felt pretty good. Wouldn't that feel good to have the king of the land come and say, you, you, you? I've heard it said that you, when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. You're amazing. Doesn't that feel good? And by the way, I just want to say this here too. It's not bad to compliment people. Not at all. I'm not saying that. The Bible says in Romans that we should honor each other. We should compliment. We shouldn't feel bad when people do compliment us. And we should be very generous in giving people compliments. I'm not saying about that. 
But, there, but within that, there's a heart, okay? There's a heart. We need to encourage people. We need to bless people, no question. But within that, there has to be a heart that I actually desire to point people to God. And so Pharaoh comes along and he says, you, you, you to Joseph. And, and right here, Joseph could just soak it in. He's been through so much suffering. Just take a break, Joseph, and realize how amazing you are. No, that's not Joseph's heart. Very next verse, Joseph answered Pharaoh, it's not in me. I mean, he had, it's all right there. Just take the credit. You did interpret some dreams. You have been through a lot. You have stayed faithful to God. Soak in it a little bit. And no, the, this is just his heart. His heart is, I want people to go to God, not me. I can't, I really, he, it's, he's not faking this. He really believes that Pharaoh and the cupbearer and the baker and everybody else need God, not him. And and by the way, the result of that, him having the heart, is why he hears God so good. It's not in me, he says. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And if you have an ESV, um, you'll see in the footnotes that last sentence there could also be translated, without God it is not possible to give Pharaoh an answer about his welfare. And, and I kind of like just the way it comes across there. But anyway, the whole point is, Joseph realizes to the core of his being he can do nothing with God, and he realizes to the core of his being that people need God and not him. And the end result of that is that he actually can hear God because, see, the thing is, like I said before, and I'm going to go to James chapter 4 right away because I want to show you something here, is when you are, our motives can be so impure. We think we're serving God, but really we're serving ourselves so often. We're using our gifts to get attention. We're using our gifts to feel important. We want people to need us. Like some of us, we're just wired to have people need us. So we just want to help people so that they need us rather than having them need God. And when these selfish, wounded desires are at work inside of us, they pull and tug at our heart so that when God is trying to speak to us, we can't hear him clearly. And we find this in James 4, 1 to 3. James says this, What causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You see this inner turmoil that is at work in so many of our hearts. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot attain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passion. So according to James here, when you come to God with a request and you're praying to him, you say, Lord, I need wisdom. I need you to speak to me. I need whatever it is. If you come to him and you've got all these impure motives that work inside of you, you can't receive properly. You won't be able to hear properly because God's voice will be drowned out in all the tugging in your heart of, of all the different needs and selfish desires that are at work within you. But Joseph doesn't have any of that. He just, someone tells him a dream, and immediately it's not about him, it's about God. And as a result, he just, as natural outflow, he knows what God is saying. And again, I want to give another one of these little caveats here, because I know what some of you will do. You'll, you'll never be able to listen to God again in your life, because every time you want to hear him, you'll first have to do this like check of like, uh, well, are my motives pure? My point isn't here that we should freak out constantly about our motives. Guess what? You know what? Your motives will never be pure until you have a resurrected body and Jesus comes back. I mean, we just as human beings, we fool ourselves so much. Paul said he didn't even trust his own judgment about himself sometimes. And I'm the same way with myself. There are times I go to God and I say, Lord, I probably do have bad motives in this, but I can't figure them out. I just have to do it anyway, even with bad motives. And the fact of the matter is you'll never have 100% pure motives. My point in this message isn't that you have to you know, contort yourself and try to, oh, Lord, I don't know if my motives are right. I can't listen to you. No, no, no. Just listen to God. When you need to hear something, listen to him. But understand this. 
the more you deal with your motives and the more closely you walk with Jesus, the more pure your motives become and the more you deal with the, with the inside junk in your heart, the more you deal with that stuff, the more you'll hear him. So you don't need to feel bad. You, you, you can just recognize that there will be times when you're going to God and your motives are impure, but you can't figure it out. But just, so that's okay. Just listen. When you need to hear God, just go and hear him. But just recognize the more you love him, the more you'll hear him. And the more you uh, want his glory, not your own, the more your motives are pure, the more you'll hear him. And the less is the less. So, so important. Anyway, Joseph, as a result of his heart is literally about God after years of testing and suffering. It's gone from being about him. It's gone to being about God as a result. He now hears God with confidence and clarity and detail. And let's now read the rest of chapter 40. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And then, now look at it again. No there's no hesitation here. There's no formula. There's no, Joseph did this, 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 and then he could hear God. No, no. It's just, he's so right with God, he knows what God's saying. God's speaking to him. Then Joseph said to him, no hesitation. This is its interpretation. And look at the detail and the confidence with which he can hear God. This is its interpretation. Not maybe, not might, just this is what it is. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Like, just... It's just there. He just knows what God's saying because he's, he loves God, he's devoted to God, and he actually want, he's actually in it for God's glory, not himself. And so he just, God is able to speak to him. Now I want to go and read you the baker's dream now too right away, but I want to just stop here because so many people are, are listening to our messages now. I just have to say some things so that it doesn't get misunderstood. I don't, don't hear me saying here today that if you have a heart that's right like Joseph's, you'll be able to interpret every dream, Okay? Uh, don't hear me saying that, you know, if you, if you get your heart right with God, you know, you, any dream that comes, you'll just, oh, bah, 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 this is going to happen to you in six days, and in eight days, and 19 days, and this amount of money, and all. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. The fact of the matter is, most dreams aren't from God. Some of them are yesterday's pizza, some of them are bad gas, like there's just no meaning to them. <laughs> okay? My, my, my point isn't that, you know, if your heart is right with God, you'll just be able to You'll just be able to make up meaning to any dream. That's not the, what's happening here. Here's the point of what's happening here. Joseph wasn't, I mean, if, if you would have just told Joseph any old dream, he wouldn't have been able to interpret it for you. The reason he was able to interpret these dreams is because God spoke them. The, the point of this isn't that when your heart is right with God, you'll be able to make stuff up about the future. The point is when your heart is right with God, when God does speak, you will be able to hear him confidently and clearly and to know with confidence what he's saying. And so Joseph here, it's not about the dreams, it's about the fact that God spoke the dreams. God was speaking, Joseph's heart was right with God, so he knew what God was saying. Does that make sense? Well, even if it doesn't, we're running out of time, so we'll go to the baker, all right? So here we keep going. <laughs> Let's finish this story in this chapter, all right? When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, Hey, I want to tell my dream too. When he saw that it was favorable, I love this. And I can just imagine, you know, the baker and the cupbearer, they're arguing before him, you tell him your dream. No, you tell him your dream. You tell him, I'm not telling my dream. And so he just steps back. But when he sees that Joseph gives a positive message, he's like, I need a positive message. Like he sees, you know, Joseph tells the cupbearer, hey, in three days, you're out of here. God sent you free. Oh, positive, encouraging message. I'm going to tell Joseph my dream too. And you know what? This is just so much how so many Christians are today. 
they feel like they feel like as Christians, we have an obligation to a positive message. But I want you to notice that Joseph, and you're going to see it in this story right away, Joseph does not feel an obligation to speaking positively. He only feels an obligation to speak the truth. And sometimes the truth is positive, and sometimes the truth is negative, but Joseph doesn't feel an obligation to just be positive all the time. He feels an obligation to just tell the truth, whatever God's saying. And there's something important in this story because here we have two dreams in this chapter. One is positive, one is negative. Guess what? The same is true today. God speaks some things that are positive. God also speaks things that are negative. And there are times when God is speaking judgment and warning and repentance and suffering and stick through it. And there are times when God speaks healing and blessing and all these things. And as Christians, we can't come to have an, we can't come to feel like I'm into positive, I'm into negative. We're not into positive or negative. We're into whatever God's saying now about this situation. So the baker doesn't get that. He says, I want a positive message. Well, Joseph doesn't give just positive messages. He gives true ones. Sometimes they happen to be positive. Sometimes they happen to be negative. And so here's what he says to the baker. There were three cake caskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered him and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days, and three days Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree. Now, uh, you know, here at Southern, we don't, you know, listening prayer, you get this in prayer, don't share it with them, okay? Um, you, if you get something negative like this, you talk to Grace. So we, we're big into protecting and, and alignment, and we don't want people whose hearts, who are growing in character and stuff, to be sharing negative words with, with people all the time. But we have alignment. We have people like Grace Fast. We have the whole prophetic team, the, the prayer team. And if you feel like God's saying something to you that is negative, you go to them and you test it. All right, you test it. So there's safety there, right? But anyway, but Joseph shares, in three days, yeah, you know, Pharaoh's going to lift your head you know, off you, okay? And the birds will eat the flesh from you. Huh, okay, verse 20. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to him. And so we see that everything, Joseph, Joseph, in, you know, interpreted these dreams in great detail and everything happened exactly as he said it would. Now here's the thing. Did everything happen exactly as Joseph said it would because Joseph was so amazing or because Joseph was so powerful? No. Things didn't happen exactly as Joseph said because Joseph was so amazing or because Joseph could make it happen or because Joseph said it would happen. That's not at all why it happened. Things happened the way they happened because God said they would happen. God is the one that made it happen. God is the one that predicted it would happen in great detail. What Joseph did was Joseph had a right heart and he heard what God was saying. It wasn't what Joseph said that made the difference. It's what God said that made the difference. Joseph was just in such a right position with God that he could hear God correctly. Does that make sense? And so what we need as the body of Christ. Joseph was not Superman. Joseph wasn't Superman. Moses wasn't Superman. David wasn't Superman. They were just human beings like you and me. There's nothing in heaven. God didn't say, oh, I made Joseph way more special than the rest of you. Not at all. He's a human being just like the rest of us. Which means that you and I can hear God too. As your heart comes to a place of, oh Lord, I actually love you. 
and I actually am submitted to you. And of course, you don't have to wait till you're perfect. Don't hear this message as you have to be perfect to hear God. No, no, no. God will speak to us anywhere on the continuum. But the point is, as you move further and further on this continuum, as you move to more and more submission and more and more love and more and more your heart is about God and not about yourself, you will hear God better and with more clarity and with more confidence. And so I want to leave you with the weekly challenge this week. And uh, two things. Um, because I want to help you with your heart when your heart is right, God will begin to speak. And my first challenge would be just pick up, and, and you'll find these, these will be online, and these are at the info center, but pick up a list of relationship questions to talk to God about, and at the info desk online, you know, the weekly shepherd. And in your devotions this week, again, some of you have such a big block, and you've been trying to hear God about something, oh, I can't hear him. Change your questions this week. Step away from these questions that you've been so frustrated with, and come over here and just start talking to God and having a relationship with him. And you're going to watch these blockages just come right out of your life. You're going to begin to hear God. And it'll just be so natural and wonderful. It's awesome. So pick up a list of relationship questions to talk to God about. And in your devotions this week, begin working on your love relationship with God. Second thing, take any really difficult situations you've been trying to hear from God about and change the question you're asking to this. Okay, so some of you, you have a whole list. In fact, this question, this number two, is such a fun one. Ask this question in 10, 20 different areas of your life. You won't believe how God gives you crazy ideas and amazing stuff and he talks to you. But the second challenge is this. Take any really difficult situations you've been trying to hear from God about and change the question you're asking to, because you've been asking God the question, do I get this piece of equipment or not? Do I take this job or not? Do I, mm, mm, whatever it is, change the question to, how can I give you glory through this? Just ask him that. Don't even, not even figuring out what he wants you to do. Just ask him, in this situation where I don't know what to do, how can I give you glory in this situation? You, you can do this in small things, you can do this in big things, but you make Jesus preeminent in all things in your life. And when you start asking him questions like this, his voice, he begins to speak to you because these are his questions. And you're loving him and you're walking with him. All right, we're going to finish with a song. I want you to stand. I want to pray with you. And I want, because we need the Holy Spirit's help in this too. It's a relationship. You can't just do it. You got to have God's help to do it. And the more you love God, the more he's going to speak to you. And so I want to pray that God's going to give you that heart and that as we get our right hearts, he's going to really speak to us. I just feel like there's a whole bunch of you here today who are going to hear God in amazing new ways this week. Lord Jesus, well, first of all, we just, Psalm 25, 14 says you love to confide. You confide in those who fear you. You actually this week are desiring to talk to every person in this room. You desire to confide in us, to speak to us. And Jesus, it's about a heart. I want to start by confessing on behalf of myself and as a church, God. So often we just come to you for advice, but we don't come to you about love. Jesus, we want to love you. We want to love you, not just for what we can get from you, but to love you. And Jesus, I pray that as we begin to really love you this week, I pray, God, that you will begin to purify our motives so that more and more and more our heart is actually to point people to you. And none of us is perfect, and none of us will be perfect in the next week or months or years, not even close. But Lord, that more and more and more our motives can be, it's about you, not about me. And Jesus, as that happens, as that begins to happen this week, as people begin to ask you those relationship questions this week, Jesus, I pray that you would begin to speak to our hearts and minister to our hearts because what we need, Jesus, is you. We don't need me. We don't need some pastor. We don't just need some teaching. We need you. And I pray that you would meet with us and speak to us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.